The information presented in this podcast is of a general nature and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. It should never be used as a substitute for mental care, medical care, or for prevention, diagnosis, or treatment of any other illness. Always consult with a mental health or healthcare professional before engaging in any activities promoted in this podcast. Have you ever wanted to be a superhero? Join clinical psychologist Dr. Janina Scarlett and host Dustin McGinnis as they explore the psychology behind your favorite TV shows, movies, books, comics, video games, and more. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Superhero Therapy with Dr. Janina Scarlett. I am your host, Dustin McGinnis. I am a musician, filmmaker, and all-around fanboy. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. I'm a clinical psychologist, author, and a full-time geek. So today we're very excited actually because we are going to be exploring the awesomeness of the newer rendition of She-Ra. And this one's called She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. It's a cartoon on Netflix. It's amazing. So this show is so wonderfully entertaining and so endearing and lovely. It is packed with diversity and representation of all ranges. I love it. It is a truly groundbreaking work of art. I honestly can't get enough of it. I've been recommending it to a lot of the students and the courses that I'm teaching and a lot of the patients that I have. And if you have not seen it, I highly recommend it. If you have seen it, I highly recommend you watch it again. Yes. Just to let everybody know, before we dive into this episode, please note that there will be plenty of spoilers. So if you have not seen Shira yet, please binge the show. You will thank us later. I'd like to start out by discussing character design in the show. Unlike the She-Ra from the 80s, which I did watch religiously, none of the characters are drawn with any suggestive undertones or seductive costumes. In fact, when the first images of the new She-Ra were released in July of 2018, controversy ensued on social media. Some critics were saying that the new She-Ra wasn't beautiful and sexy because she didn't have the voluptuous or glamorous appearance that the original did. There were complaints that she wasn't feminine enough. It's a cartoon for Pete's sake. I really applaud the showrunners for not sexualizing a children's cartoon and actually promoting body positivity. Glimmer, Spinnerella, Scorpia, and She-Ra are main characters that have heavier or more muscled body types. Can you discuss the power and influence of these types of images? I think the beauty of She-Ra is that every character has a different body type. And I'm really glad that you were able to bring that up because the truth is every person in the world has a slightly different body type. And even though there are different categories of body types, I think that there has been 
this assumption that there's one standard of beauty, right? That to be beautiful is to, for a woman, for example, to be unrealistically thin with, for example, large breasts or other areas that are maybe revealing. What I love about the show is that every character is realistic. I think just about every character is portrayed in a way that we could see somebody of that body type. We probably know somebody of that body type. And I think that it promotes diversity. It promotes body positivity. It promotes body acceptance. And hopefully as a way of taking a step away from body shaming culture, from sizes culture, as a way of allowing individuals to be true to themselves instead of being ashamed of who they are. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful show. And in all honesty, we see it in comics a lot, you know, this over-sexualization of women. And it is really refreshing to see this diversity on screen. It really is. The series begins with Adora, or as she becomes later, She-Ra. And she's on the bad side. She's with this militant horde. She was found as a baby and adopted by Hordak, who took her in and trained her as a soldier to fight for the Fright Zone. Hordak is the leader of the horde, and it's an army that is invading the planet of Eternia, where these characters are all from. He's essentially declaring war on the world's most powerful inhabitants, the princesses. Lord Hordak has been watching you, Adora. He thinks you are a fine candidate for force, Captain. You've been promoted? Your mission is to destroy the princesses' rebellion. This is what I've been working for my entire life. I wonder what's even outside the Fright Zone. We're gonna see the world and conquer it. Katra, slow down! Ah! Adora. Adora. Katra? Oh. Our planet needs you. Cool. The sword has chosen you. The time has come for your destiny. All I did was pick up the sword and then whoosh, I'm in a tiara. We can't trust her. Your army is called the Evil Horde. Who calls us that? Everybody. I know the legend of the warrior called She-Ra. They said she would return to us in the hour of our greatest need. There's something you should know. I know you have no reason to trust me, but I'm ready to fight to stop the Horde. The Rebellion accepts your allegiance. She-Ra, Princess of Power. That's the coolest name I've ever heard. Katra, what are you doing here? Come on, let's go home already. I'm not going home. The Horde is evil. They've been lying to us. You have to help me. What happened to you? I'm sorry, Katra. She's just like every other princess. All sparkle, no substance. We want to rebuild the Princess Alliance. You each have a skill that only you can do. The Horde almost destroyed my home. I want to help fight them. Plus, your friend over there can turn into a, like, eight-foot-tall lady with a sword, and I want her on my side. Stop her! Proceed, Force Captain Catra. This isn't over! Okay, sword, let's do this. 
for the honor of Grayskull! Sheila and the Princesses of Power. The princesses have unique powers, each of them. Adora doesn't know that the Horde are bad guys. Once she sees the atrocities left in the wake of one of the Horde invasions that she was sent to lead, she defects to the good side with the princesses, and she becomes She-Ra. Can you discuss choices and the nature of integrity? Yeah, the beginnings of She-Ra actually reminded me of the most recent Star Wars trilogy with Finn being raised by stormtroopers to believe that the Empire was the side of good and that the rebels were bad until he and the stormtroopers went to planet Jakku and he saw stormtroopers being ordered to kill innocent civilians. Adora, in a very similar way, grew up being trained and essentially brainwashed to believe that princesses were evil and that the Horde army were the good guys. That is until she sees what the Horde army actually stands for. And here we see an example of kind of nurture versus choice, right? Where although she was raised to believe one thing, her moral compass shows her the kind of actions that she wants to take and Adora goes against her upbringing to make a choice to stand up for what she believes in. She initially tries to persuade the Horde army to be compassionate toward the innocent villagers, to be responsible and altruistic. Once she realizes that they have never cared about whom they hurt, she realizes that she has been lied to her entire life and she makes a choice to join the princesses. And I think that what's really powerful here is that it's not that our past dictates who we are. It's the choices we make throughout our life. And so although Adora initially was on the side of the Horde, when she finally saw who they really are, she was able to make the choice to better herself. I think that it's very parallel to what a lot of us are going through nowadays. For example, some individuals might have been raised in racist households, right? And just because our family has instigated certain beliefs in us doesn't mean that that's what we have to believe too. We have the power of choice to decide for ourselves who we are and what we stand for. And that means for some of us, that we might need to stand up for what we believe in, even if it means standing against or disagreeing with the people that are closest to us, if it means standing up for what we believe in. Yeah, you mentioned that Adora was kind of programmed to believe that the princesses were bad. And Hordak essentially uses propaganda and lies to manipulate Adora and his other troops into believing this, that the princesses are this force of destruction and evil. Pat attention, cadets. Your simulation is about to begin. Here's your scenario. You'll be passing through the treacherous whispering woods to reach the heart of the rebel insurgency. Brightmoon. Your mission is to defeat the queen and the princesses and liberate Brightmoon in Lord Hordak's name. Where's Catra? She will be here, I promise. Mm -hmm. The Whispering Woods is full of princesses, vicious, violent instigators. They will take you out if given a chance. Don't give it to them. Good luck, recruits. 
can you discuss propaganda and how it is used to manipulate and influence violence? Of course. Well, on Shira, we see that Hordak is very careful about what he chooses to show the Horde trainees. They are only able to watch kind of edited clips of princesses attacking Horde troops, for example, making them look violent. And what the trainees are able to watch is skewed, it's uh, controlled, and they don't have access to the full story. And unfortunately, I think it really parallels what happens in real life where maybe a lot of individuals might see a clip of something, but that clip might not tell the full story. And sometimes, whether it's misdirection or manipulation, can lead the individual to believe that one group of people is uh, misbehaving or is purposely doing something evil. And fortunately, I think some folks just might blindly believe what they're seeing without taking a moment to seek out the truth. To Adora, it never even occurred that what she was being shown by the Horde army might not have been the full story. And it's not until she encounters the rebels that she's able to see that she was lied to her entire life. I mean, it's amazing. The core theme of the first season is unity, really. She-Ra, Glimmer, and Bo... It's the three, what do they call themselves? The friends? Best friend squad. The best friend squad, yeah. Shira, Glimmer, and Bo must unite the princesses of Eternia to rebel against the might of Hordak and his evil horde. Unity is power. Hi there. I'm Bo, tech master for the rebellion. I'm making videos to inspire people to join the rebellion. So, hi, potential new recruits. You know me, and you probably know my fellow rebels, Glimmer, the Princess of Bright Moon, and Adora, aka She-Ra, Princess of Power. Hi. Adora and Glimmer are my best friends, and we do everything together. Kicking Horde butt! And we even have our own nickname, the Best Friends Squad. <laughs> best Friends Squad is having a pillow fight. Yeah, we're not calling ourselves that. Now, I know what you're thinking. I'm not She-Ra. How can I help? Well, I've been there before. <laughs> They're princesses. They have powers. I make baked goods. I'm a master archer who's out of arrows. But that never stopped me either. You each have a skill that only you can do, even if it doesn't come from some magical jewel. You say you're just ordinary people? I say you're warriors of the rebellion. To the rebellion! And while the princesses have their powers, I have my trick arrows. Sonic Arrow! <laughs> I still can't believe you made a loud arrow. Hey, that came in handy. Just like my newest invention, the Goo Arrow. Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff, but mainly, it has goo. <laughs> okay, well, hope you're inspired. Join the rebellion, and I'm going to edit this last no, part no, no, out. No, no, I am definitely making sure Glimmer sees this. What? No, wait, <laughs> give me that. What are your thoughts on the value of unity? As we see on Shira, when people are driven apart by either hatred or grudge or frustration, their 
powers are only as large as their immediate capabilities. But when they're able to unite with other people, their strength not only doubles, it magnifies. There's this interaction effect when we are around other people who might have similar core values we might actually feel more energy. We might be fueled by this group support. And so, for example, we might feel weak and powerless if we are alone in our quest to, for example, stand against racism. But if we're able to find like-minded folks who also want to support other people, then our voices might magnify, our message will carry, and then we're more likely to make a difference. And so... As we see on the show, the quest to unite the princesses in this rebellion becomes monumental in the princesses then essentially putting a stop to Horde's influence. And I think that history, our history, shows us that that is the only way that we can truly stand against injustices is by uniting together for what we believe in and supporting one another in this process. Mm-hmm. There are multiple princesses that have to be recruited. And one of the most interesting princesses we meet, and I know she's your personal favorite, is Entrapta. <laughs> He won't let us in. That is so smart and awful. We're all going to die. She's the princess of Drill and Entrapta's superpower is that she is super brilliant and she's an expert engineer and has this prehensile hair that acts like other appendages and she is unmatched in her understandings of technology and knowledge of the first one's tech or essentially ancient alien technology that had existed on the planet beforehand. Do you have a first one spacecraft? A first one spacecraft that works? Ah! I want to see! This is amazing! Alien tech from a distant world! She is a genius. To achieve maximum velocity for liftoff, the necessary repairs and upgrades to the shield, the engines, and the life support should take is approximately... Oh, uh, very long time. She's very eccentric. She's very naive and kind of socially awkward. She is also very chaotic neutral is a way I want to put it. Often her love and fascination with her technology puts other characters she seems to like in a lot of danger. Where is it? Can I see it? Can I touch it? It is suggested that her character could have been intended to be on the spectrum. In fact, show creator Noelle Stevenson did confirm that Entrapta was written as autistic. What are your thoughts on this brilliantly fascinating character? First of all, as you mentioned, Entrapta is my absolute favorite character, followed by Glimmer. I love Entrapta because I think that her depiction really shows at least one way that autism spectrum disorders could look. Autism spectrum is a spectrum, which means that everybody with autism might present differently. 
what I love is that her quirks also make her so likable. And I love having a hero, one of the main protagonists, having to be autistic. I have a lot of clients with autism who are sick and tired of being misrepresented in television shows or having kind of a mockery of autism in television shows. And Entrapta, at least according to a lot of my clients, is a great representation of what autism can look like, at least in some clients, where some folks might be really fascinated almost to an obsessive level with certain aspects of things, for example, like technology, but might have difficulty with other aspects like paying attention or staying on task, for example, which Entrapta does struggle with. I think that to me as a viewer, Entrapta was incredibly endearing because she's not perfect and she makes mistakes and yet everything she does, she believes in that moment to be the right thing to do. And her learning the value of friendship through her connection to machinery is beautiful. And I just kind of glow every time she's on the screen. I absolutely adore her. And what, What's her little robot's name? Emily. Emily. <laughs> and I'm hoping that we get a spinoff show with some of the princesses. Yeah, she is very endearing. You can't help but love this character because she's just like fascinating. She's just so passionate about <laughs> technology. It seems that within Trapta and many of the other wonderful characters, Shira and the Princesses of Power goes out of its way to be inclusive of different races, genders, sexual orientations, and as we mentioned earlier, body types. Can you discuss some of the show's uses of diversity and inclusion? Absolutely. Well, as you mentioned, the show is incredibly diverse. We see characters of all different body types, all different skin types. We see characters all across the LGBTQIA spectrum. We see individuals who are lesbian and gay and bisexual and non-binary characters. And we see a diversity in pronouns on the show. And what I love about it is that it's never an issue. It's just something that's a part of life. It's just accepted when you see two husbands or when you see two wives. No one ever questions that. And I love that we finally have a show. Um, I know there are also other shows, but I love having a children's show where... LGBTQIA relationships are portrayed as common and normal and it's not even an issue and it's a day that I long wanted to see and so there were many episodes where I had the feels and you know kind of ugly cried a little bit because it was so beautiful yeah in case you couldn't tell I, I love this show <laughs> I love Bo's dad's they were just adorable. And like you said, it wasn't even, it didn't throw you off or anything like that. It felt just natural and normal and just beautiful. Absolutely. And I have to say, as a member of the LGBTQ community, it meant a lot to me to, to see not like one token gay character, not one token black character, not one token woman character, but a lot of characters who fall within 
all kind of ranges of diversity and that meant a lot and so for a lot of viewers psychologically speaking being able to see so much diversity i think normalizes not only their own experiences but also the experiences of people around them which can reduce bullying and promote inclusivity and acceptance mm -hmm. man this show just has so many wonderful characters, so much diversity. We often talk about characters who exist in the gray, whether it is anti-heroes, antagonists who turn good, or protagonists who do bad things in the name of justice and good. Whether it's Hordak or Katra, who were the main villains during most of the series, turning good at the end, or Glimmer making bad decisions that hurt loved ones around her, can you talk about the balance of good and evil and the relevance of showing these qualities as a beacon of redemption? That's a great question. I think a lot of times we might have grown up to see the world in kind of black and white lens in terms of things are either good or bad and I think that sometimes that can cause problems and I think that there's an assumption that if someone has done something bad they cannot be redeemed or there's an assumption that if someone has been a good person then if they've done something bad they shouldn't be held accountable for example when somebody might reveal to their friends that a mutual friend assaulted them it will be not uncommon for other people to say oh but he's such a nice guy you know again kind of sweeping the crime under the rug just because the person has done a lot of good things and similarly if someone has made a mistake or maybe several mistakes it can be very hard for that person to redeem themselves for example if a person has been in prison for substance abuse or dealing drugs then sometimes when they come out of prison people might not give them another chance they might have a difficult time finding a job or finding relationships or friendships and so i think that the beauty of the show is that it reveals that we can always change that we can make mistakes but there's still room for redemption we can have made really bad choices and can still choose to do good we can have been right all along and then it's possible for us to still make a mistake and that means that we need to not only trust our gut but also trust our friends but there's always room for redemption if we're able to be honest with ourselves and others and really stand up for what we believe in and I mean, sometimes there is just that one easy little line that we can cross to go do something bad, even though we think we're doing something good. It's kind of like how Glimmer did. We have good and evil in all of us. So grief is a powerful influencer of characters and emotions. It can be very motivating in one way or the other. For instance, in many examples from pop culture, we see that grief has the power to create heroes, and it also has the power to create villains. She-Ra is no different. I would suggest that Glimmer's grief over losing her parents, specifically her mother, helped influence some of the poor decisions that she made. My mother raised me to be brave. My friends taught me to be kind. I'm stubborn. I get that from you. I will never 
stop fighting, and I won't lose another parent! Can you discuss grief and the effects it can have on those left behind? I think that for a lot of people, grief can be a motivating force. It can remind us of the people that we care about, of the importance of life, on how short life is, on the way we want to spend the rest of our life, you know, reminding us that we need to spend time with loved ones and we need to not just go through the drudgery of the day, but find what we stand for. And sometimes when we're really struggling, and this is not only exclusive to grief, it could be struggling with anything, we might become impulsive and this is the case for glimmer where she becomes so impulsive and so driven by her pain by her anger that she doesn't want to lose control she becomes so scared of getting hurt again of maybe losing somebody else that she loves that she's unwilling to listen to reason. And because of that, she ends up making bad choices. She ends up making mistakes that cause a lot of damage to other people, even though her intention was to protect them. Yeah, definitely. As you're listening to this, you can tell how incredible we think this show is. (laughs) What do you think makes this show so powerful and why? I think it's incredibly well written. Each character has a lot of emotional depth. I would want to be best friends with like all the characters on the show. The stakes are high right from the beginning. I think that most of you will probably find yourselves invested in the show, wanting to see what happens next and wanting to understand where the characters are coming from or what they're going through. I also think that it's really sweet. The show allows us to see what love of friends can look like. Not romantic love, but friendship. What it means to care about someone. What it means to really stand for something that we believe in and how it's not easy. How it comes with tragedy and self-doubt and difficulty, but also with friendship and with emotional support and how we need a balance of these experiences to make sense of things sometimes. And so I think the show provides an important narrative about what is important, what's truly important to us, and how we can get there through really standing for what we believe in and and supporting the people that we care about the most. Mm -hmm. I just want to talk so much about this show i hope that in the future we can have noelle stevenson on the creator of this show that would be amazing if anybody out there knows we would love to do another show with her where we interview her and be like yeah this is amazing stuff that you did here it's groundbreaking i love it this is a good time for us to go ahead and end this episode of superhero therapy with dr janina scarlett Again, my name is Dustin McGinnis. You can find me on Twitter at The Valiant Geek. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. You can find me on Twitter at Shadow Quill or Dr. Janina Scarlett Official on Instagram. Stay safe out there. Stay kind. And thank you so much for tuning in. Take care. <laughs> <laughs>